Good morning. So we've been going through uh, this series about how God is faithful and that he never fails and that he won't stop now. And throughout this series, uh, we've taken a look at a lot of different issues that could cause us to wonder, is God really faithful? And today's topic is about illness. It couldn't come at a better time. I mean, we're at the end, nearing the end, hopefully, of this pandemic where folks have gotten ill. So let's uh, take a moment. We're going to read 10 verses out of chapter 31 of Psalms and uh, talk about this passage. The psalmist says, In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a storm, a strong fortress, sorry, to save me. Since you are my rock, since you are my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead me and guide me. Free me from the trap that is set before me, for you are my refuge. And it's into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. I hate those who cling to worthless idols, and I trust in the Lord. I'll be glad, I'll rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction, and you knew the anguish of my soul. You've not handed me over to the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. Be merciful, he says to O God, for I am in distress. My eyes, they grow weak in sorrow. My soul and my body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish. My years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones, they grow weak. Let's pray. Father, you are faithful when others are not. Even when we are not faithful, Father, you are true. Father, we pray that you'll be faithful to allow your spirit to just move in such a way that we can truly understand, that we can truly be led through your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a buddy uh, from high school that I've kept in touch with uh, here recently through Facebook. Uh, he is a, he's a Christian man, but he's also a power lifter. And he is in incredible shape. Here's a picture of him uh, recently at a competition. At the beginning of the month, he is squatting 600 pounds. He broke a national record for his age group by deadlifting 655 pounds. The dude bench pressed 440 pounds in this competition. I'm saying this because you need to understand that this guy right here, Sean, is in peak physical condition. Here's another picture of him. Less than four weeks after the competition, 
still in peak physical condition. Sean got COVID. It put him in ICU for eight days and 12-day-long hospital stay. And I want to share this morning the testimony that he wants to give this world as we prepare to face the God who is faithful. Here are Sean's thoughts from Facebook. He quotes uh, Psalm 34, my soul shall make its boasts in the Lord. He said, thank you, Jesus, for loving me and giving me another day of life. Full disclosure, I feel horrible, weak, I can't sleep. I've always had an incredibly strong grip, but last night I couldn't even open a bag of salad. No matter, God is restoring me and I live in faith knowing I'll be better than ever someday. Sean was a testimony that God is faithful even when we face illness. The psalm that we are looking at this morning is a psalm of lament. The psalmist is crying out to God, and we can't really tell if he is in physical pain, emotional pain, or maybe just a little bit of both, right? He's exhausted. These adversaries are trying to take his life. Maybe he's been wounded as he's run from his enemies. And he is asking God for help. But also declaring the faithfulness and goodness of God in whom he takes refuge, a word that he repeats several times throughout the passage. Today, let's find some help as we look at the God who is faithful even when we face illness. And in doing so, we need to first remember God's sovereignty. And I think this is incredibly helpful when we do face illness. Look at verse five with me again. He says, into your hands I commit my spirit. The psalmist places his life into the sovereign Hands of God. God is perfectly capable. God is the great physician. And God knows what we need even before we could ever ask. But listen, placing your trust in a sovereign God, it takes humility. After 13 years of service, my Sam's Club plastic shed finally died. I bought the shed after we had bought a riding lawnmower about 13 years ago, and it served me well. But the platform on which I built this was rotted. I uh, was taking it apart, and the, the, ply, the, um, the two-by-fours literally just crumbled away. And with the help of my family, we put together a new platform with treated wood and plywood, and I found myself that evening on my back with ice and heat. And I remembered quickly that I am not 20 years old anymore. It was time for me to humbly admit I can't physically do it and place my trust in someone who can. So I hired a 20-year-old to help me. 
It reminds me of Paul's story in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You may remember this passage as Paul discusses his limitations in verses 7 through 10. He says, therefore, Satan, in order to keep me from, I'm sorry, or because of these surprisingly great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, he says, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. And listen to how God answered him. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. And he said, therefore, I will boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And that's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. I delight, he says, in insults and hardships and persecutions and in difficulties for when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, we don't know the nature of Paul's thorn in the flesh. Now, the historians have taken, uh, you know, maybe this was like a metaphorical thorn from a physical deformity. You know, he was stoned to death at one point. Maybe it was his eyesight, some say. Some suggested maybe he had a speech impediment. But what we do learn from Paul is that he had to humble himself so that he could place his life into the hands of a sovereign God. And that's what we hear from David as well. Secondly, we must remember that the physical here, it's temporary, right? We place our trust in the sovereign God and we remember that this is all just temporary. We didn't read the passage, but in verse 15, it says, my time is in your hands. You see the connection between God's sovereignty and the limited time that we have here on earth. We don't know how long it's going to be. And I know when I'm sick, it seems like time is standing still. It seems like it's never going to end. I know Jessica often says, when is it going to stop whining? But we know that it's temporary. Amen? Now, I alluded to Paul earlier because he experienced so much pain during his ministry. And on one occasion... Paul was in prison facing possible execution. I couldn't imagine what would be going on in Paul's mind. All he was doing is preaching the gospel. All he was doing is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. He was put in prison and he could at this time be executed. And he penned these words in Philippians 1.21. For to me to live is Christ, the guy's gain. Elsewhere, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, he says, For we know that if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. We know that this is an earthly tent. We know that this life that we live is short. And we know that eternal life is not made by human hands. 
And I'm glad, my friends, that it is not built by human hands. I built that shed 12 years ago. It's falling apart. The tile over here, David Pyle and I laid down 10 years ago, and it's falling apart, right? And I'm constantly just trying my best to keep my car on the road. You know the struggle that that which is made by human hands falls apart, but God promises us that our eternal dwelling will be made by him. And I think we all see the temporary nature of what we can see and touch. The eternal is nothing like this. No matter how awful the illness today, we have faith and hope that the eternal will be worth the pain. And let's talk about that pain for a minute as we close out this section. God is connected to our pain. I think that's helpful to remember as we face illness, that God is connected to our pain. In verse 22, he says, in my alarm, I said, I am cut off from your sight. Do you hear that? He said, in my alarm, I felt like I was cut off from your sight. Yet you Yet, you heard my cry for help. You heard my cry for mercy. I think this is tough to understand, right? I'm tempted when I face illness to think that my God can't be compassionate enough to understand what I'm going through. That maybe he can't feel my sickness. He can't feel my pain, that the God of the heavens that created everything, there's no way he can truly understand. You know, there's support groups for people who need connection when they face illness. If I was diagnosed with cancer, I want to be surrounded by those who understand the emotional and physical needs. If I was paralyzed, I will want the support of those who understand what I'm feeling and thinking But can I have a relationship with God also in this way? Has God ever experienced my kind of suffering? There was a French philosopher, Simone Weil, who suggested that suffering illness can cause us to get stuck in the furnace of affliction, she called it. She suggested that we could get caught up in anger and self-absorption, and shame, and condemnation. But there was one area that really stuck out to me. We can get caught up in isolation. That suffering can almost immediately make us feel like we're cut off from the real world, isolated from your friends who can't feel what you're feeling or understand what you're feeling, and isolated from a God who there's no way he could understand. And yet, the psalm alludes to a God who did understand. Do you remember? And did you hear it? The passage is, into your hands I commit my spirit. Does that sound familiar to you? It was Luke chapter 23 and verse 46 when Jesus said these words. He called out in a loud voice for all to hear 
and all to be reminded of Psalm 31. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said this, he breathed his last. You know, it was the writer of Hebrews that says that Jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses. As you face illness in your life, please remember that you are not alone. Of course, we need to remember that we can trust the sovereign God. We can remember that it's temporary, but you can't forget that you're not alone. And a central part of what we do on Sunday mornings is we gather around this table and we take this bread that is a reminder that he felt that he physically was here, he physically had a broken body. We drink from a cup that is a reminder that he physically bled out. And as we prepare our hearts for communion, let's focus on this death of Jesus Christ to remember that not only is he connected to us in our suffering, but that connection was more than just a physical feeling. That connection was eternal because he not only cares about what you're going through now, but he cares for your soul as well. This world is temporary and God wants to spend eternity with you. It is the death of Jesus Christ on the cross that reminds us that he died so we don't have to. He took on sin so that we could be forgiven. And as we eat that broken bread, that broken body, and as we drink that juice that reminds us of his blood, we're reminded that he is faithful no matter what. Let's pray. Father, I'm thankful for your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I'm thankful for the death that brought us life. And Father, we cannot stop there. We know that, Lord, you lived, that you raised your son from the dead, that he appeared so many witnesses, that, Father, he ascended is at your right hand. We remember this time and we sing these songs to you because of what you've done for us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.